Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing Christmas presents. So it's come up to that lovely time of year. It's Christmas is on its way. Um, Chris, tell us about your Christmas shopping and your presents that you're choosing. Yeah, well, um, so for me, Christmas present shopping is uh, not a nice experience, as I'm sure it is for for lots of lots of other people. That it's something that that we that we dread. And one of the one of the problems uh, that that I have about Christmas shopping is that today you can buy virtually anything so that the choice is almost infinite uh but people also have a large number of things and almost everything they actually require um and it's becoming increasingly difficult to to select presents for for people not only that you're sort of judged on your ability to select presents for something it's somehow seen as a reflection of your understanding of that person your love for that person and it can create enormous uh, enormous sort of disappointment or dissatisfaction on both sides. And it's bad enough having to do that for one person at a time, but to have to do it for your entire family in one go simultaneously, it is an enormous cognitive burden and one which I've been thinking about how I might alleviate. So let's get a nice generative strategy that will just work from here on forever. Yeah, you're in the right place. We're on the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. It's Aleph Insights. This is kind of exactly the kind of thing that we deal with. Exactly. So let's get some facts here. Um, Who do you need to buy presents for? Uh, Well, generally, it's generally it's family members. Um, Does that include all the Austrian von Hohenschmergen? No, no, they're outside. But all eight hundred of them. One of my great problems about. Christmas presents and present buying in general, but Christmas presents is the the rules aren't written down anywhere. And in fact, one of the rule, what would the, the the one sort of uh, you know definite criteria about about Christmas presents is that nothing can be explicit about it because somehow it's this this test of uh, how how well you know people. So even knowing who to buy for and how much to spend on them and all of those kinds of issues are... Um, Me and £500, please. Yeah. But hold on, I'm confused because you're married, right? Yes. Why Why do you get involved in any of this? Surely your your wife does all this stuff, no? There's only one present, present you've got to get, which is for your wife. That's the only one that matters. She does everything else, right? Meanwhile, in the 21st century, uh, <laughs> there are a series of... Uh, um, uh, uh, sort of challenges that you, you have to you have to meet, you know, you, because the thing about presents is they can't be utilitarian, right? You can't just buy somebody, or or at least oh, it's yes, not, can. yeah, yes, it's not, can. it's not well regarded if you buy somebody, Some you know, if, if they if they spend their most of their time doing domestic work and you buy them an apron or something, not not good, not good move. Um, it's it's it can't be already possessed by them, right? So you can't give them something they've already got. 
uh, it's got to be, as I said, it's got to be the right price. If you, if somebody buys you a really expensive present and you buy them a cheap piece of crap, again, not not good. Uh, and this has all got to be achieved, you know, without explicit communication of somebody saying, "Please buy me this thing because this is this is what I want." And it's, but, yeah. you know, so never mind, the, never mind the Turing test. This is the the the, yeah. the true test of. Um, well, in fact, it, it it certainly eludes me, you know, of, yeah. of um, sort of analytical. Uh, perfection. Yeah, yeah, it's a minefield. Um, let's help him out, Peter. Well, th- th- it might help if we explore why you give presents. So, the, the, I think there there are sort of three different and competing <clears throat> reasons why you might give someone a present. One is one is just to demonstrate pure self se- selfless love, uh, and I suppose that's what people most want to receive a present for. But actually, most of the time when you give presents, is usually is for Either some sort of social exchange, uh, indicating you are you have a certain wealth, or that you that you're able to buy somebody something, or that you know things about the person that they might like, so you can win favour with them, or it's economic exchange. So it's you you did something for me, I'm going to give you something in return that's sort of I that's of approximate value, uh, so that there's some some sort of um, transaction going on there. So I think it's the 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 it's a sort of competing. The 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 idealist view of oh well we give presents at Christmas to demonstrate selfless love when actually it's almost always about social exchange it's about sort of doing favors for each other um, and, uh, and and gaining brownie points within the social within the, within your social clique. Um, just to cut in at this point, I got a really nice Christmas present last year. I think it was. Um, if you're listening, this is a hint. <laughs> well, it's actually Peter Coghill got me a Christmas present. He and got, what, was it was it entirely practical? It was, yeah. You got me because one of the things I struggle with sometimes with these podcasts is is supplying power to our recording uh, to our to our mics, and yeah. so you got me some extra long um, yeah. cable extensions and for, for. Well, this is where I want to take take issue with Chris's point that it doesn't. It can be entirely practical if it's a practical thing that the person really really wants, and they may not necessarily notice they want. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'd be delighted if someone just bought me my year's supply of toilet paper or something that would be brilliant then i wouldn't have to buy a toilet paper but he, sorry, well, that's, that's one toilet roll for peter <laughs> <laughs> but actually what's interesting actually is you got it for me because you could see the practical purpose for it and sure enough every time we record podcasts i use them however actually what made me uh just very pleased to get um them was actually the fact that you did it um and i was just so it was just such a nice surprise and that that's what sort of did it for me really the thoughtfulness of it there we go peter right peter purely practical coghill came back from his holiday to nepal recently uh with a present for me which was a a a karma generator which you can put on the windowsill (laughs) and it's solar powered and a thing rotates and it generates karma according to buddhists on a very practical level it generates a lot of uh of, of humor it's no, but of, it's also I've used that karma now. It's useful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but but I think this this sort of boils down to one of the, the, there's a um, there's a psychologist uh, uh, professor Karen Pine who a few years ago produced a formula for um, perfect present uh, purchasing, and it's a formula in the loosest sense of the words. In the if you tried to mathematically um, carry it out, it it would be meaningless. But uh, nevertheless, it's the components of what makes. A, um, uh, a perfect a perfect presence. I mean, I'm going to read this out, but I think it, it pertains quite nicely to one of Peter's uh, um, seeming successes. So uh, it's uh, listening times two, 
plus observation, and that's where Peter comes in, he observes what people require or, or, or need, uh, plus effort squared. So the more effort you you put into choosing it, the more um, the more it will be received, even if it's the same the same present as somebody else bought, if they just you know got it from Amazon or something. Um, minus personal desire. So uh, apparently, we studies have shown we we massively um, overestimate our um, our own uh, preferences in present buying for for other people. So um, and that we know what they want, mm. uh, and that it's like what we want. So you, you have to take that out of the equation. Plus uh, plus empathy, which for me, as a sort of um, borderline clinical psychopath, is um, is is the most difficult difficult part well, how's that we that have different to from listening uh well the listening is like you, you know picking up on the cues uh where where fraser was hinting about what he wants for for christmas next year you know even longer power yeah i think this this seems like a big pile of old balls how's that me. and how's that so how's that different oh, it's, oh it's absolutely why is, why is it's effort squared effort would be a logistic function surely yeah. because at some point the effort the return <laughs> to effort I, I, is... I, as i it, it was a marketing exercise on behalf of Devon, yeah Devonham, so well if you I, want there is some proper science <laughs> about presence which i.e not not psychology but economics yeah. Where we there's a famous a famous paper called the uh, Deadweight Loss of Christmas by uh, an economist called Vald Fergal, rather I think fitting into the into the caricature of the gloomy money obsessed economist, tried to measure how much uh, of a loss Christmas was in terms of the, the presents we give to each other, and so the the observation that an economist would naturally make is you know if I buy something for you for twenty pounds. All it can be is as good as the thing that you would have bought for £20. If it's anything else, it's going to be worth less to you than £20 would be. Simple observation. And he estimated that uh, about 10 to 30% of the value of a present is lost uh, through the fact that I bought it for you instead of just giving you the money. So in other words, if I buy you a present for £10 broadly, it's going to be something that you would probably only have spent 7 to £9 on. So it's basically it's this huge loss. And we spend on average and this surprised me uh, perhaps it shouldn't have done but uh, we spend on average around about sort of 500 pounds or so each each per per year on christmas presents oh, which means that we're chucking away about 100 pounds a year through through christmas but i think that all of this uh neglects the reason we give presents and it's what we've all been touching on and it's our old friend signaling theory which is that the reason we give people presents is because it's a way of showing that we do understand them. And the fact that Chris is experiencing cognitive torment about it is precisely the point. So the whole the whole way that you can tell whether someone who's given you a present gives a shit about you or not is whether or not it's the right present. So someone who buys you socks clearly doesn't either spend very much time listening to you or paying attention or caring about you. Someone who buys you exactly that widget you wanted for your bike uh, is obviously is does care a lot about you and is listening to you because you can't you can't fake it. That's the beauty of it. Getting someone the right present is impossible to fake. You, the only way you can buy someone the right present is precisely by being the kind of person who would buy them the right present. So I think, you know, it's, it's pretty much explained. Yes, it's wasteful. It's costly and it's wasteful. And that is actually often the point of signals mm. is that they are costly. Um, you know, if they were free, if it was free to send a signal, then it wouldn't be a signal because everyone would send that signal. Yeah. Um, but now I'm just depressed because my mum gets me socks every, every year. She hates you. She probably barely knows your name. Yeah. Uh, do well, you like socks though? Because I actually, no. I have to say, you know, I've noticed the quality of socks over the years has gone down quite a lot. And so actually, you need a new stock of socks mm. about once a year. 
Do you, you mean, do you mean the, the socks that Mrs. Rag is buying you have got worse over the year? Because that's important and we need to talk about uh, it. No, so oh, a, a, okay. a, a famous... Generally, uh, uh, yeah. um, the, 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 you know, UK sort of blue ribbon brand that provides socks uh, for, for men of my age... Um, I've noticed the quality of their their socks has deteriorated over the years. But yes, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You need new socks and pants each year. I yeah. would, I never buy them. I only get given them. It could also be the quality of your feet has deteriorated, which means that they, you it's wear possible. Them. <laughs> it's, it's possible they've got more angular. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Look, I, I, it's, I know it's, this might come as a surprise. But actually, we're fairly close to needing to to wrap up. I do want to um, say though, go I've got something. Just an observation from my own family. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. Chris, Chris obviously has quite a demanding family in terms of what they are expecting by the sound of it peter comes from a present culture which is different uh, i had two halves of my well, two halves of my family my mum's side and my dad's side uh, very different present cultures now my, my mum's side lincolnshire uh, farming uh, very much focuses on efficiency and you know making every drop of effort count we have Christmas lists we, there's 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 me and there's my mum and there's Meat her cleaver, three siblings sausage machine exactly all the stuff, things yeah. that the proper uh, fensman needs and, uh, and so the the, um, the I, I look after my mum's Christmas list she uh, looks after my Christmas li- bits of my Christmas list and then you know uh, all of the siblings have another Christmas list to look after and we just choose a thing from that list and then we go and buy that thing and everyone's happy on Christmas morning we all get we've all kind of forgotten what we've asked for whereas on my dad's side Irish peasantry uh, is uh, well second generation say third generation um very much more of a less tra- much less transactional much more communal and sharing kind of uh, atmosphere where it would be considered very mercenary to give someone a christmas list and people just go out usually and buy some some something pretty inappropriate usually the two of them will buy you the same thing usually one of them will buy you a thing that they bought you last year and it really is like the thought that counts not mm. the end result mm. so i think you know it's not so much that there's a right way of doing it but it's just you there's going to be the right way of doing it for your particular family culture mm-hmm. um and uh peter go, go on peter well just uh maybe to finish off one thing you can definitely get right though is wrap it so wrapping presents uh, according to uh, tests looking at the sort of the perceived value and perceived sort of uh, uh effort gone into a present wrapping it is one very quick win doesn't matter how badly it's ah, done. But what about professional wrapping well, because that wouldn't be perceived well, with the same with the same value, would it? Well, um, maybe, but at least it's, at least it is wrapped. You've taken the time, if not, or mm. the money, to wrap it. That means, that's a very quick win mm. to up mm. your your the, the, the that term that's squared in your equation, Chris. Is it the uh, the the? I forget what it was. Effort oh, effort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah but right, if yeah. if that was totally true, if it really was squared, you should wrap everything multiple times. Yeah. Sorry, there is one more tiny piece of very practical advice you can give to which is based on behavioural economics. So it's a finding from sort of psychology of uh, perceived value don't give someone an expensive present and a small and an inexpensive present together right because people perceive the value of a bundle as being the average value of the bundle so if you give someone a 500 pound handbag and a five pounds gift voucher they'll see it as broadly worth about 250 quid Mm. give it to them separately don't don't give people presents together for god's sake people yeah, it sounds also like you're speaking from you know horrible experience. There, well, yes, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it, it is, uh, but but it, you know, it's been borne out in studies. You you ask people, do they want? Would they rather have a uh, you know a, a, a set of five um, of six uh, plates that are completely 
undamaged or a set of 10 damaged plates and 10 undamaged ones they would rather have the one that where there are no damaged plates even though there are fewer undamaged ones so so yes so basically you know unbundle your presents guys (laughs) right that's good job you told me that um now uh let's just finish this off um i'm not going to ask what you might think i just want to ask what's the best present that you've ever bought for someone else that you've ever given to someone else so, um, who's whoever, whoever's ready can go. Well, USB cables and karma generators, I think. They've totally nailed it there. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, but I guess the question is what you think is the best or what was the best received as well. That's the other sort of flip side of it. Uh, Chris, best present you've ever given? Uh, there's the time I bought my grandmother the Millennium Falcon. Um, Right, the actual Millennium Falcon, or uh, not the real Millennium Falcon? No, the the, <laughs> the model uh, of the model of the Millennium Falcon. Okay, um, Nick, this is really hard. I mean, I I've got a big family as well, so I you know it's every year it's quite, it's quite a lot of presents. Um, but I, I think the uh, I think I would go by longevity of thing, uh, and it was like a knickknack, like a set of six bells on a kind of Christmas tree shaped thing that. One year, I thought, I think I must have been about 12, I thought my granny might like. And it's still there, sitting on the sideboard. Even though my granny has passed away, uh, it's still there on the sideboard of knickknacks. So, uh, you know, I feel like that's that could well be the longest-lasting present I've got, which is still in use as a, as a knickknack. Mm. I've still got the Millennium Falcon I bought for my granny, by the way. <laughs> she must be so pleased. Um, yeah, I can't think. I don't buy that many presents, so which actually should make it easier for me to remember. Um... I can only remember the last present that I bought, which was for my wife last year. Well, you're only as good as the last present you bought. So what was it? So it was one of those... Um, USB DNA... cables. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those DNA test kits, which tells you where you're from. And? Um, well, I actually was I was really disappointed, actually. So I... Now, just to, for the uh, listeners, um, Fraser's wife has got quite an interesting genetic lineage. Or so I thought. Because, uh, so she's Brazilian um, and she's got um, lots of indigenous blood. She can look quite indigenous. And I thought she'd be this mix of all sorts of exotic stuff from all over the place. Um, turns out she's... She's from Dagenham. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that's not exotic. Turns out she's 50% Iberian, okay? Uh, which, okay, that's reasonably sort of, you know, but I, I was expecting that to be about 5%. Yeah, or... but that's funny. It means that all the jumbling up has ended up... I mean, it's probably a 50% from all kinds of bits of the Iberian Peninsula. Yeah. And presumably the other 50% is bits of South America. Well, no, actually. So she's only something like 2 or 3% indigenous. Really? Um, okay. And bizarrely, she's about 2 or 3% British. So how the hell that happened, unless some of it's been rubbing off from me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, but I'm not a scientist. Apparently it does work like that a little bit, um, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> no, it does. Apparently it does work. It does that. It does happen. Um, we're going off on something else. Um, okay, look, let's stop there. Um, that's enough uh, to do with Christmas. So, you know, for, j- just what was yeah, the other bit? Uh, that leaves about 40%. Oh, um, she was slightly African. Oh, okay. Um, slightly other bits of Europe. Um, yeah, I think that must so, yeah. be it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. So anyway, that was a great Christmas present, but actually, I was actually quite disappointed by it all for about did it, 24 did hours. Did it undermine your, your relationship with her that you sort of dispelled this sort of it, it did for vision about, of herself? That it did was... for a bit, and then I just forgot about it all, oh, and okay. I realised it didn't really mean much. Um, okay, so, well, you know... Um, 
we're going to finish there um but you've been listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew been here with nick Hare, peter coghill and chris rag of aleph insights um thank you for listening happy christmas and just be careful what you buy for each other okay uh thank you and goodbye bye-bye mm-hmm.